You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com. Happy Mother's Day. Woohoo! Mothers. And happy Ascension Day. I, there's got to be like a good joke that you could tell about like the, the, the dignity of motherhood and the ascension of Christ or something, but we're not going to go there. It's, but there's that connection that could be made. I'll just point that out. I, you know, about Ascension, though, it's one of those holidays that if you've grown up in the church, like not Orthodox or not Catholic or not Anglican, you've probably never heard of Ascension Sunday. It like wasn't a thing. I know for myself, I grew up Methodist, but I, and I was probably just not paying attention. It was there, but it just never occurred to me that Ascension was like something we celebrated. Barely even something we remembered in the story of Jesus. We got his cross, we got his resurrection, and then that's it, right? And then he leaves us. Why would we celebrate the Lord leaving us? I get Christmas, the birth of Jesus. We get that, right? We show up for that. We get Easter, Jesus defeating death and evil and emerging from the grave victorious. All of Holy Week, we get all that. But Jesus leaving us, why do we celebrate him leaving? It seems like everything that was won in his birth and everything that was won in his resurrection is kind of lost in his leaving. You can imagine how the disciples must have felt when they're like, okay, Lord, when are you going to establish your kingdom? Let's do this. And he raises up hands to bless them and disappears into the clouds. <laughs> you got to be kidding. How confusing. How amazing. What do you do with that? Why do we celebrate this? Where did he go? <laughs> Can you imagine the, 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 the list of questions that the disciples must have been feeling at that time? He opened their understanding, their minds to understand scripture, yes. But did, when, when did it occur to him that he is not coming back for a while or that he left and they can't see him? And wait a second, it's Jesus. Don't we need you here with us for this thing that you're starting, your kingdom that you're inaugurating? Don't you have to be here to rule as king? Where did he go? Doesn't he know that we need him here? <laughs> have you ever felt that way? Lord, where are you? Don't you know that I need you now in my life? Seems that everything was lost, potentially, with the disciples. Even if, and okay, let's like do the, we can, we can understand the religious rhetoric thing. We may not totally get it. But even if Jesus has ascended into the heavenly realm, whatever that is, because we can't see it, what a mystery. What good does that do for us? Him going into the heavenly realm. How is that supposed to help our world now? Don't we need his presence, not his absence? What a lonely situation for the disciples. And I think that we actually need to spend some time appreciating that lonely time and place because that's actually such a familiar place for so many of us. For me, it's been in my life. Lord, where are you? I thought you're supposed to be in power. I need you here. Well, this is where we're ending our series, We Are Witnesses. The strange story actually at the beginning of the book of Acts. And we're asking the question, why is the ascension a good thing? Because on paper, it seems like totally bad news. Well, Psalm 24 that we prayed this morning, I think it gives us some answers. The Jewish scriptures come to find out, folks. The Jewish scriptures had long anticipated the Lord's ascension. 
And this Psalm 24 that we, you and I prayed is a liturgy of Israel for the king's victorious return. His victory lap coming back from battle, this was the liturgy. This was their prayer book. When the king came back victorious from battle, this is what would happen. The Ark of Covenant would go, if you remember, with them into battle. And if Israel was faithful and let the Lord fight for them, they would be victorious. Then they'd bring the Ark of the Covenant back up the holy hill to Mount Zion to reside in the temple in its rightful place. You may remember that we shouted this very psalm at those doors on Easter Sunday. Do you remember that? Practically breaking the doors open with the crucifix, with the, with the processional cross pounding on that door. You can even still see the marks in the wood on the door as we entered into the gates of salvation as King Jesus was coming back victory, victorious from his battle with the enemy, with death and with sin. Well, that's where the doors were, but the hike actually still continues. Jesus's, his victory march proceeds. It keeps going through the gates of salvation into the place where the Lord resides in the temple of Mount Zion. Now, the house of Zion is another name for the temple. You might hear that here and there. In fact, we have a song that we're gonna be singing later. And when we say the house of Zion or the, the, the place on Mount Zion, it is this place that's locating where God has graciously decided to come and dwell with his people out of his own goodness, to be with us, to meet with Israel, where people are being forgiven in his presence. Picture this place where people are being fed and restored and renewed in the presence of God. And I think this is actually that place, that Mount Zion place, where the Ark of the Covenant is going back up the hill to reside, where we are all indeed following Jesus, this victorious one, into the presence of God. That's where we want to live. That's where we want to be. When we say we want things made right in the world, what we're talking about is being in the presence of the one who has the power to make all things right, beginning with us. We're talking about that place, dwelling with God. It's where we want our life's journey to end up, to be with God. In fact, we've been talking about this at our catechism class. What's the point of the Christian life? People say, well, maturing as a disciple or serving the world or doing like good things and like reading your Bible and making sure you get your quiet times, all this really uninteresting things. Um, well, there's some of that's interesting. That's, that's, that's good stuff. But that's actually not the point of the Christian faith. We get so busy with all this stuff. The point of all of this is to be with God to have union with Christ. Not to just look at it, but to pass into it, to participate in this life with God, to be satisfied in his presence, to be near his person. This is that place atop that hill. This is the temple where God resides. But before we embark up the hill, before we embark into the presence of God, the psalmist asks a question of us in verse three. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? All of us want to raise our hands. Me, I do. I mean, I want to, right? This is how it begins, this liturgy. When the victorious re king returns, these are the questions that are asked. This is the exchange that's happening. Possibly, if you could picture this, we don't know exactly how this looked, but it's possibly between the Levitical priests and maybe those in the army or maybe the people of Israel, all this exchange is happening. We don't know exactly how, who said what, but we do know that it was used on the Ark of the Covenant's return to the temple after battle. And it began with this question, who, who shall ascend? Who may, 
Who's qualified to walk up that hill into the presence of God, victorious from battle? Who? The psalmist inspects this worthy person further after asking this question, saying this. I'll tell you who. Those who have clean hands and pure hearts, our hands start to go down. Maybe that's not me. Who do not lift up their souls to what is false and do not swear deceitfully. Have you ever been um, internationally traveling and you go through customs and you get to that place where you give them your passport and they look at your face and they look at your passport and they look at your face again and then they look at your passport and it just gets more and more sketchy. Like it's, they're suspicious. Like, look, I'm just like traveling for work or for tourism or whatever. Not a bad guy. This is kind of like that moment in the Psalms where customs is inspecting who's coming up the hill. Do you have clean hands? I don't know about that. Do you have a pure heart? If we check your bags, are we going to find any idols because you've lifted up your heart to another? Who are you? Can you come in? These are those interesting questions. Have you ever used violence or greed? Do you manipulate others? Are your hands really clean? Are you selfish? Is your heart pure? Have you been stained with pride? Ever envious? Have you ever lied? Been deceitful? Have you swore falsely? Have you broken promises? Have you not kept your word? Even once and you're totally disqualified from ascending the hill. The kind of purity, the psalm starts out so inspiring and wonderful, but the kind of purity the psalmist is asking of us becomes really troubling really quickly because we realize we are not that person. We're not qualified. I don't have clean hands. I don't have a pure heart. But does that stuff even really matter that much? Isn't God gracious? Isn't he kind? Won't he just kind of overlook these things? We're generally like good enough, right? That should matter for something. Seems like the psalmist doesn't let us off the hook at all. Yes, we're made in the image of God. Yes, we're made with his divine imprint. Yes, we are, made good. we are made good because we've been made in the image of God. Yes, we are precious in his sight. But yes, we have also decided to go our own way, even in small ways. Yes, we are not blameless. Yes, our hands are dirty. Yes, our hearts are stained. Seems like, man, Sean, this is like not a good news kind of sermon. Friends, you know there is one who has a clean heart. You know there is one who has never lifted up his soul to another, who's never been deceitful. There is one with a perfectly pure heart Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? This one may ascend the hill of the Lord. Even though we can't, he does. The Jewish liturgy in the psalm continues. Who is this king of glory? They ask. The Lord of hosts. You can see the people responding. The Lord of hosts, strong and mighty in battle. He is the king of glory. Friends, this king of glory who has a pure heart and clean hands is Jesus himself. He's the one returning victorious from battle. Jesus has trampled over death by death. Jesus has defeated the devil and all of its friends and all of those burdens and things that plague us. He is the one who's defeated it. 
He has entered into the darkest of dark corners in the realm of darkness and put it under his feet and come out victorious. And his ascension, his ascension is his victory lap. Because I think if he didn't resurrect in front of us and ascend in front of us, we might not know who is this king of glory. He is the king of glory, Jesus. And he's going to his rightful place, his throne in the heavenly realm. Okay, that's better. Jesus ascends, that's fantastic. But what about us? Does he leave us behind? As he goes, we can't help but feeling like, well, is his victory ours? How do do we get in on this? Has he abandoned us? St. Athanasius writes about this particular passage that Jesus was highly exalted. Not that he himself needed to be exalted because he's Jesus. He's already there. He is already the highest, but that he may become righteousness for us. That we may be exalted in him and enter the gates of heaven, which he has opened for us, for you and me. Friends, Maybe our feeling abandoned by Jesus, maybe that moment where we see him disappearing into the clouds going, what in the world is happening? Maybe all of those feelings of like, I'm alone, I don't know what's going on and I'm gazing into heaven. Maybe all of that is entirely misplaced in us. He's not leaving us. He's not abandoning us. He's one of us. And he takes us with him. Thus the incarnation. He became human and is still human even after his resurrection, even as he ascends to his throne. There is human flesh in the Trinity, seated at the right hand of God the Father. There is human flesh in the heavenly realm. We're human flesh. We're with him. He has taken us with him. And we will forever be united with him. There will never be a time in which Jesus is not human flesh. He will never shed humanity. He is eternally unified with it. So we are already in heaven along with him. He ascends, we ascend. We go with him. And you know what, friends? We make this ascent every week, or at least maybe you didn't know this, but we do in the liturgy. When the cross comes in, Jesus is returning victorious from battle. And our way of bowing our bodies is to say, who is this king of glory? It's Jesus and he's victorious. I'm so grateful for this, Lord. That's why we bow. When the gospel reading returns to the altar, the first part of the gospel reading, it kind of symbolizes God from his heavenly realm coming and living among us, incarnating the virgin birth. Christmas is happening down here. And the ascension is happening when the gospel book returns. We see this story every Sunday. We line up and come down the aisle for communion. We're really walking uphill when we step into the aisle and come forward. Not by our own strength. Not only because Jesus has ascended and takes us with him into the holy place. But we are ascending Mount Zion to feast at this heavenly banquet table. That looks like it's here, but it's actually not really here. We're in a totally different realm, aren't we? When we come up to this table. This is a different kind of food. This food has been brought to us by the Lord himself from the heavenly realm. I know that sounds like a trip, but we believe this, people. We believe a lot of crazy things as Christians. This is not the first of them. And it's so good. 
And though we wait for the fullness of God's restoration to happen, we must know that he has never abandoned us and never will abandon us. And even as he ascends, he's not abandoning us. We are with him. He is with us. So as we stand here this morning, looking into the heavens, seeing the ascended Lord, we don't have to wonder. We don't have to doubt as we gaze into heaven. There's no need to search around looking for his presence. There's no need to shake our fist at the sky and say, where are you, Lord? Because he has already told us where he is. He's come to meet us even now. And he's the victorious one, victorious in battle. The Lord has done such great things for us. If you think about this, not only has he been victorious, but he remains and promises to remain always with us. Even this morning, what great things he's done for us. Friends, have you, um, however wounded you are, whatever burden this morning that you bear, whatever weight is on your shoulders, whatever sin entangles you that you just can't get off your hands, whatever doubts or worries plague you, whatever promises you've broken, however you have been unfaithful, even this week, all of that has been put under the feet of the king. All of that is being redeemed and renewed by the victorious one. All of that has been assumed in the body of the one who now sits at the right hand of God the Father in the heavenly realm, who advocates for us, who intercedes for us, who works for our good. All of our woundedness, all of that sin is being put away. And you have to decide though, do you go with that stuff or do you go with him? Do you stay here in the pit in the darkness of your own life, or do you ascend the hill with Jesus? This morning, he invites us, come with me. Ascend with me. Come enjoy the feast in the house of Zion with us. Friends, resurrection, let us go with the Lord. This Ascension Sunday, we can actually go with the Lord into his presence. The place where there's no more weeping, where we're protected and gathered up, where all things are made new, where our hearts are restored, where the hungry are fed, this morning we are invited to go with the Lord. Don't be afraid. Open up your heart to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to go with you. And he will invite us and bring us into his presence. Let's take a moment to allow the Holy Spirit to speak and draw us into the presence of God this morning. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.